0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Off in the S a podcast focusing on the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. I'm your host, Stu, and on today's show, IMSA has had their fair share of exciting finishes this year. From photo finishes at Daytona, to the leaders wrecking out in the final minutes of the race at Sebring. And you can't forget about that battle at Long Beach that saw the Wayne Taylor Racing Acura end up in the barriers. Nothing exciting could possibly happen at the Glen, right? Well, the 2023 edition of the Salem Six Hours of the Glen started off with massive question marks surrounding the weather. And it did not take long for the weather to rear its ugly head over the course of the weekend, as the rain came down for the first practice of the WeatherTech Championship, as well as for many of the support series sessions. The rain would not go away, though, and returned in a big way for qualifying. The GTD and GTD Pro classes would take to the track first. And fortunately for them, they would at least be able to get away with a dry session. And in fact, it was not only just a dry session, but a fast session as well. The number 78 Forte Racing by US Racetronics Lamborghini, driven by Loris Spinelli, actually broke the GTD track record. He posted a 144.430 second lap time, and not only would take GTD pole, but would lead all of the GTD class cars to the green flag. Number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus was second fastest in GTD, while the number 83 Iron Dames Lamborghini rounded out the top three. In GTD Pro was the number 62 Ricci Competizione Ferrari that was driven by Daniel Serra, who picked up the poll in that class. He set a 144.829 to get the pole there, while the number 63 Iron Lynx Lamborghini and the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus rounded out your top three. Now the weather would not make things interesting until the LMP2 and LMP3 qualifying session. Now with all of the teams knowing that weather was quickly approaching, they took to the track early with slick tires on, as IMSA had of course not deemed the session to be a wet session. But before anybody could even set a lap time, the skies opened up and the track was drenched before you knew it. The terrible conditions caused drivers to slide off course with a couple of P2s and I think a P3 mixed in there actually sliding off virtually at the same spot. And it brought out a red flag, and the session, of course, would not be resumed after that. Now, while the P2 and the P3 qualifying session would not resume, the GTPs would never even have the opportunity to hit the track, as IMSA cancelled the GTP qualifying session, and instead, the field for the, all of the prototype classes would be set based on championship points. This meant that the number 6 Porsche Penske Motorsports, Porsche, would start on pole in GTP. The number 11 TDS Racing Orica would lead the LMP2 field to the green flag. And in LMP3, it would be the number 74 Riley Motorsports entry that would lead the P3 grid to the green. Now, as much as I hate to say it, the chaos from the qualifying sessions carried on to the early going in this race. And we couldn't even make it through the first corner before the number 24 bmw gtp entry driven by augusto farfus just applied a little bit too much throttle out of the first corner the car snapped one way went into the wall and it was race done for the number 24 virtually before it even started after a pretty sketchy attempt to try and get his car back across the track basically in front of the GTD field. Don't know if this was the wisest move on uh, his part to do. He was unable to get it to a safe spot and a full course yellow was declared not even a minute into this race. Now everything will get cleaned up. It was a pretty quick full course yellow, all things considered. And after just 23 minutes of green flag racing, we would be under a yet another full course yellow condition. This time, it was for an incident involving three LMP2 cars. But by far the one that got the worst of it and actually ended their race was the number 11 TDS Racing entry. The incident took place in turn 11 and it all kind of started when it looks like the number 52 entry that was driven by Ben Keating at the time slowed up a little bit more than I think the number eight of Sally Yolich thought. Jolic ended up opting to dive down the inside, made contact! with the number 52 that sent Ben Keating into a half-spin across the track. The 8 would pick up some fairly significant damage in this one, but they were able to repair it. Number 52 of Ben Keating was able to catch the half-spin, but unfortunately for the number 11 TDS Racing entry, at the time driven by Stephen Thomas, he saw all this going on in front of him, saw the half-spinning car of Ben Keating kind of blocking the track. Maybe it was a moment of panic, but regardless, he locked up the brakes, went straight into the tire wall, and was an innocent victim in this one. After this lengthy full course yellow period where pit stops cycled through, track got all cleaned up, the race would resume for half an hour before the field was neutralized yet again. This time it would be for the number 01 Cadillac, driven by Sebastian Bourdais, who looped it around into the tire barriers, got a little bit of rear damage, but ultimately was able to continue. Thankfully, though, after a rather hectic opening hour and 14 minutes, the race from this point on would settle into a pretty nice rhythm. At this point, the number seven Porsche that was driven by Matt Campbell and Felipe Nazar, they were pretty comfortably in the lead. They had their team entry behind them, and they were just worried about putting a gap on their competitors. In fact, they really controlled the f- opening portion of this race. That was until the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsports entry had to go behind the wall for a very lengthy period of time. This was due to hybrid system issues and would virtually eliminate them from any chance of a good result. They were not the only GTP-class car to experience troubles, though, as the number 10 Wayne Taylor Racing Acura actually lost a rear wheel. They had to make a trip around the track, missing that wheel. not actually even sure where that wheel ended up. And the cherry on top is they got a penalty for speeding on pit road that would, all of these things combined, it virtually eliminated them from any contention in this race. At the halfway mark of the race, it was the number 31 Action Express racing Cadillac that led the way in GTP. And this came after they opted for just a slightly different pit stop strategy in order to maximize their Michelin endurance cup points. Number four, CrowdStrike Racing LMP2 led in that class, while the number 74, Riley Motorsports Ligier led in LMP3. The number 96, Turner BMW led in GTD, and in GTD Pro, it was the number 63 Iron Lynx Lamborghini. But for the final few hours of this race is where things started to really heat up and get a bit spicy with two and a half hours to go the full course yellow would be deployed yet again this time it was for an incident involving an lmp3 car that at the time was driven by alex kirby he missed his breaking point and made contact with the class leading gtd pro that was driven by andrea caldarelli who then also collected the number 42 nt entry they had a beautiful livery on that car this weekend and it's been a real shame to see them encounter the troubles that they have considering the few races that they've run this season. In all of the chaos as well, the number 01 Cadillac GTP entry also got collected in this one and just picked up more damage. Now, looking at this incident, it's easy to just moan and groan and chalk it up to just another LMP3 incident. However, I will applaud Alex Kirby for something that he did post-race. He reached out, I'm not sure if he reached out to all the teams, but he at least reached out to NTE Sport to own up to his mistake and apologize for it. I'll put a link to the entire sort of back and forth that was actually posted on Reddit by NTE Sport. I'll put that link in the show notes. And that's not actually where things would end for Alex Kirby. He was actually placed on probation by IMSA for the next four races as a result of this incident. Now, this incident may have taken out a few of the favorites in the various classes, especially in the GTD class. But the ensuing restart with just over two hours to go saw some incredible battles start to build. In LMP3, we saw the number 74 and the number 30 going at it for a while. They were duking it out, going blow for blow, having a couple of off-track excursions themselves before that one settled down a little bit. Meanwhile, in GTD Pro, with the number 63 Iron Lynx Lamborghini out of the picture, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus grabbed the lead and proceeded to have an incredible battle down to the final minutes here with both the number three Corvette, as well as the Risi Competizione Ferrari. LMP2 was not left out of this either, as the number 04 and the number 18 were also duking it out there. And then there was GTP and boy oh boy did that battle come down to the final few minutes. The battle emerged between the number 25 BMW and the number 6 Porsche. The BMW had a pretty nice lead here heading into the final round of pit stops. But the Porsche opted to box a little bit later and actually went on the softer set of Michelin compound tires that Michelin trucked in the night before in order to give these GTP teams an option considering the unpredictable weather that had been plaguing the Glen all weekend. On the final stint, that Porsche was able to track down the BMW and completed the pass in the closing minutes of the race when the number 25 BMW encountered just a little bit of lap traffic, and the Porsche was able to pounce and get around. Ultimately, though, all of the battles throughout all of the classes were cut just a little bit short. After a hard accident by Bill Auberlin just on the exit of Turn 10, brought out the full course yellow that the race would ultimately end under. Oberlin's car actually did a flip before landing on all four wheels. He was able to get out of that car under his own power and was checked and released from the infield care center. Now when they crossed the line it was the number six Porsche Penske Motorsports entry driven by Matthew Jaminet and Nick Tandy that would cross the line first. However that would not hold up in post-race tech. In post-race tech it was discovered that the Porsche's front skid plates were not the required minimum thickness and as a result they were penalized and moved to the back of the GTP class cars. This meant that the number 25 BMW M Team RLL driven by Connor DiFilippi and Nicola Yaloli would be named winners. They beat out the number 31 Action Express Racing Cadillac of Pipo Durrani, Jack Aitken, and Alexander Sims. I just wanna point out how strong Jack Aitken was in this race. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more in a second, though. And rounding out the podium was the number 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura, who is the last remaining GTP class car on the lead lap. Well, that stellar battle in LMP2 ultimately went to the number 04 CrowdStrike Racing entry driven by George Kurtz, Ben Hanley and Nolan Seagal. As I mentioned, they hit a great battle in the closing hours with the number 18 era Motorsports entry who would end up crossing the line in second. And after the earlier incident that they were caught up in the number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry would round out the podium with a third place finish. In LMP3, it was a clean sweep for the number 74 Riley Motorsports Ligier. In fact, they have won all three Sail and Six Hours of the Glen that have taken place in the LMP3 era. Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, and Josh Burden drove that car to victory, leading 57 of 189 laps. They had a great battle all race long with the number 30 Junior 3 Racing entry, who would cross the line in second place. And a strong season continues for the number 17 AWA Duquesne as they rounded out the podium positions. Despite everything that went on in this race, there was only one car that truly deserved the GTD Pro Class win. That was the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus, driven by Jack Hawksworth and Ben Barnacote. They had a great battle with the number 3 Corvette in the closing stages of the race, and after being dominant all weekend, they picked up a speeding penalty on their final pit stop that really set them back. And actually caused them to lose the lead. They would ultimately pass the Corvette with 23 minutes to go in the race and they would go on to continue their perfect podium streak this season. The number three Corvette would not end up finishing in second place. They actually lost out to a very quick Risi Competizione entry who would cross the line in P2. It was actually really unfortunate to see that yellow flag come out in the closing minutes of the race because this GTD pro battle looked like it was going to come down to the final lap. That Risi Ferrari was really closing in on the Lexus and looked like they had the stuff to be able to take a shot at the victory. The number three Corvette though would hold on for the final podium spot. Much like in GTD Pro, was a dominant performance by the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus, who finished on the top step of the podium in GTD. Drivers Frankie Montecalvo, Aaron Tielitz, and Parker Thompson put on a very strong showing and actually won the overall GTD battle, beating out their pro counterparts. They would lead 117 of 183 laps and cross the line ahead of Paul Miller Racing's BMW. Good story here in the GTD ranks, as that number one Paul Miller Racing entry, they battled back from being three laps down in the early going. They tinkered with some strategy, got a couple of wave arounds, and were able to ultimately claw their way all the way back to P2. Meanwhile, the number 16 Wright Motorsports Porsche rounded out the podium spots. Now, of course, the main story coming out of this one is the penalty that was applied to the number six Porsche that cost them the victory in GTP. The penalty was assessed after the race during post-race tech when they were found to not have the minimum permitted thickness on the front skid plates. Immediately after hearing the news, the team announced that they would be protesting the decision and it didn't take long to hear back on the results of that decision as IMSA would confirm a couple of days later that the protest would be unsuccessful and the race results were made official with the BMW taking the win. Now it wasn't even that the front skid plate was an insane amount thinner than what was permitted it was I think a millimeter or less than a millimeter outside of the regulated thickness and Porsche Penske Motorsports insists that this was as a result of some damage that it picked up perhaps late in the race when it was actually reported that in in the final closing minutes of the race they actually had a slow puncture I want to know what you think, though. Do you agree with IMSA assessing this penalty? Or do you think that they should have cut the Porsche a bit of slack here and acknowledge that this could just be the result of some damage that it picked up during the race? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below or jump into the Discord. I'll link that in the show notes as well, and you can let me know your thoughts there. Now this decision has sparked some conversations on social media and other places comparing it to the Meyer Shank racing incident at the Rolex where they were allowed to keep the victory but were heavily penalized post race actually it wasn't even post race it was like post month That they found out about this infraction but in this instance i completely agree with the way that imsa has handled this you know demoting that porsche to the back of the class immediately this was discovered in post-race tech after all before the results were made official and i think this was the right decision because the meyer shank racing incident back of the rolex was ultimately really a pretty rare one i think and and I don't think that should be used as precedent for other decisions down the line. Ultimately, Shank Racing were ultimately caught, as I mentioned, almost a month after the Rolex, and long after the results had been made official and those cars had passed through post-race tech. Now we can argue for days, about whether Imsa's decision back at the Rolex was the right one to allow Meyer shank to keep the victory, but just heavily penalize him with points and, and some team member suspensions. But before you argue about Imsa's decision, I want to point you along to a great Racer Magazine video that Marshall Pruitt did. This was an interview at Sebring with John Doonan. John Doonan gets really into this topic and I really think it gives a good glimpse into how difficult the decision was for him and his colleagues to make. I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. Now while that dark cloud hangs over the GTP class, there was another issue that emerged in this race, but this time it was with tire pressures. What a darn clean transition from one controversial event to another, eh? Now, during the race, a total of 10 teams were given mechanical black flags, and as a result, were forced to come in and swap out their tires. And in fact, two of the teams that got these penalties had to come down pit road because their tire pressure sensors had malfunctioned. Now, many of the other teams, they got the penalties because their tire pressures were too low. And really, it just boils down to this. They got caught out in some rapidly changing track conditions and specifically the track temperatures were kind of all over the place. I recall around the halfway mark of the race, this big cloud came and covered over the racetrack and it brought some relief to us that we're trackside, but I can imagine that it brought down the track temperatures a ton. This is also at the same point where there were pit stops that were going on. And it seems like a lot of the teams got caught out by this changing track temperature when they received those penalties. It did also seem like maybe IMSA was uh, policing this a little more strict than they have in the past. I seem to recall there being warnings given out for low tire pressures in, uh, in previous races, but regardless, it's currently unclear whether IMSA is going to be clarifying any of the rules or making any public statements about it before the next round out at CTMP. When it boils down to it, I think the racing that we saw here, especially the first bit of it, was pretty darn sloppy. You think about those incidents that we saw in P2, P3 incident around the halfway mark of the race. We really did see... some sloppy driving out there in the early going. However, everybody settled into a bit of a groove and we were able to get some really great racing down the stretch, especially in the second half of this race. And it was very enjoyable to watch, especially the second half of the race and the battles that were able to unfold. Did you think this too? Did you like the entirety of the race? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Now, the WeatherTech Championship was not the only IMSA series on track this weekend. The IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge saw Robbie Foley and Vin Barletta take their number 96 BMW M4 GT4 to victory lane in the GS category. Meanwhile, in TCR, it was Tim Lewis and Roy Block in their number five Alfa Romeo that took the win there. In Lamborghini Super Trofeo, it was Kyle Marcelli and Danny Formel sweeping both of the races in that class. That is four race wins in a row, if I'm not mistaken, or at the very least, back-to-back weekend sweeps. In Portakura Cup, it was Jason Hart winning race one, and Will Martin taking the victory in race two. And finally, in the Mazda Itemitsu MX-5 Cup, it was Aaron Johnson who won race one, with Celine Roland taking victory in race two. Championship points have taken a bit of a shake-up here after Watkins Glen. In GDP, it's the number 31 Action Express Racing Cadillac, who have 1,602 points. They have taken over the points lead after the Porsche demotion. In the Watkins Glen results, they are ahead of the number 25 BMW M Team RLL entry, who has who have 1,538 points. They are just 11 points ahead of the number six Porsche Penske Motorsports entry. In LMP2, it is a three-point lead for the number 04 CrowdStrike Racing entry ahead of the number 11 TDS Racing entry. The great battle, though, for the championship in this class continues as the number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry is just three points behind them, so the top three cars in LMP2 separated by just six points. In LMP3, it's the number 74 Riley entry that leads with 730 points. To the two AWAs, number 17 has 606 points and number 13 has 604. In GTD Pro, the gap continues to increase as the number 14 Vassar Sullivan Lexus have 1,795 points compared to the number 79 WeatherTech Racing entries, 1,682. And in GTD, thanks to the great drive by the number one Paul Miller Racing BMW they maintain their points lead with 1,592 points compared to the number 12 Vassar Sullivan Lexus who have 1,488 and in the Michelin Endurance Cup championship points in GTP it's the number 31 wheel and engineering Cadillac with 33 points they are ahead of the number 10 Konica Minolta Acura who have 26 points In LMP2, it is a two-point lead for the 04 CrowdStrike Racing entry over the number 52 PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry. In LMP3, it sees the number 74 Riley entry with 30 points ahead of the number 17 AWA Duquesne. Also tied for second is the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsport with 28 points. In GTD Pro, it's number 79 WeatherTech Racing Mercedes with 33 points to the number 3 Corvette's 30 points. And a nice close battle here unfolding in GTD as the number 27 heart of racing. Aston Martin has a one point lead over the number 32 team Korthoff Motorsports Mercedes who have 28 points. Something that I wanted to do after this race is just call out a couple of drivers that impressed me. And after checking out a driver performance report from B-Pillar, there's a few guys that I wanted to call out here. Starting off with Nico Veroni in the LMP3 class. He drove the number 17 AWA Duquesne and had some great stints. He picked up the fastest lap of the race in P3 and just looked really, really solid out there. In GTP, Jack Aiken really looks to be settling very nicely. He set the fastest lap of the race and was extremely quick when he was in that car. That 31 team sure do seem like one of the championship favorites as we're about to cross over into the second half of the season. If you're interested in any of this stuff, I'm going to link to the B-Pillar report in the show notes. I highly recommend you go and check it out. It does have some pretty good information in there, I will say. Man, oh man, it has been a heck of a first half of the IMSA season. And that's going to wrap up this sailing Six Hours of the Glen recap. Before you go though make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting app so that you never miss an episode. You can also check us out on Twitter at often the ss or check out the video version of the show on YouTube you can just ch- search for often the s's. Also a big shout out to all the patreon supporters if you do want to support the show and get some behind the scenes looks then you can just check out patreon.com/ often S's. Once again though, thanks for tuning in. I hope everyone has a great race weekend and doesn't go off in the S's.